For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 169 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we got a special guest this week. You know, you know his work well. Anytime you've been like, oh man, that sticker design kicks ass. Oh man, all that Patreon artwork kicks ass. Oh man, that cover art kicks ass. Oh man, I love my Blue Harvest t-shirt. The design kicks ass. Well... That design flowed from the brain out the fingertips of our very special guest today from the Grayscale podcast and recently released author, Evan DeCellis. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey buddy, oh, I'm glad to have you. Yeah, yeah welcome. Here. This might be the perfect week of Blue Harvest to be a guest. That, that could be true. There is electricity in the air. Excitement is, is overflowing because, uh, damn, we got some cool Star Wars stuff to talk about, in my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. um, before we do that, though, Evan, uh, part of the reason I wanted to have you on this week is you just released your book, The Scout Beast, which you have uh, teased, sizzled, if you will, a few times on our show. Mm -hmm. And uh, why don't you tell our good listeners what the deal is with the book how they can get it, and uh, the special cause that you're supporting with the sales of your book. Yeah, absolutely. So just to give like a little bit of background, um, so the book, The Scout Piece, that I'm writing, or wrote, I should say, is a collection of three horror anthology short stories involving the appearance of a creature um, which is comprised of the scalps and bones of its victims, and those victims are <laughs> any human beings within its vicinity that have been responsible for causing violence or death upon animals. Um, so there's three chapters. Uh, it's about 120 pages long, um, about six illustrations per chapter, so 18 in total. Um, so all the proceeds of this book are going to be donated to various non-kill animal shelters in the Pennsylvania area. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited about it. And, uh, yeah, you can get it uh, by emailing me at edechellis25 at gmail.com. You could do a digital version for $5, and you'll be able to get that instantly. Or you could do a hard copy, which is $15. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Yep, got my order in, and uh, Evan gave me my tracking information today. I am going to be stalking that front door looking for the uh, <laughs> FedEx guy to show up. I'm real excited. Can't wait to get my grubby little hands on it. Yeah, I'm excited for it to come in. Definitely let me know because I want to I know what you think. Uh, so, guys, like he said, edechellis25 at gmail.com. That's E-D-E-C-H-E-L-L-I-S 25 at gmail.com. And you can also go and check out his Twitter page, uh, Twitter um, uh, page, I guess at ed at edechellis25, um, and all the information's on there, and you can get a little peek at the artwork and stuff. So uh, you got, you guys should go do that. Go do that right now, and then come back and listen <laughs> to a very excited Halls talk about his goddamn favorite thing in Star Wars. Holy fuck! But. Uh, I guess before I get to the too get too excited, I should do the business. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Our Patreon is live. We've got a new episode of Steve versus the prequels hitting this Monday, uh, along with a whole bunch of extra bonus content. We drop a new episode every Monday for just as little as three bucks a month. So if you're interested in that sort of thing and want to help support our goofy little podcast, check it out at patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And somehow we're, we're still part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. We stick yeah, out no like... Yeah, no one let the secret out apparently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one told... Like Jason just had a real crazy party one night and was like, let's add Blue Harvest. And then and no one's been like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? What Are you sure about that? Where we stick out like a thor- sore thumb among a beautiful... Yeah, so nobody say anything. Yeah. We stick out like a th- sore thumb on a beautiful hand model. I don't know, guys. I try to come up with something new every week. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Amazing podcasts like Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Podcast 2187, Rogue One, The Sith List, Tarkin's Top Shelf, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. Mm. the cinnamon and sugar of your sweet french toast how you guys been i've been good i can't complain yeah i've been pretty good too um just hanging out i just bought mario party today so i was playing a little bit of that before we started that is that is on my list to pick i'm jealous i really like it there's like over a hundred mini games in it and i really really like them i've had some good times That's what I was about to say. I've had some really good times playing Mario Party with Will. That's about all. only time I've played it is mm-hmm. a few times with Will. So You it's... and I always have that where, like, oh, you'll play this, you'll play this. Like, usually you can't get people to play something with you, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely one I want to pick up. I, uh, I, would, I would throw down, and I imagine when I do pick it up, I will throw down on some Marty, Mario Party with Jesse, but... Guys, if something happens to me and you don't hear from me, it's because Jesse's killed me for beating her in Mario Party. <laughs> she, Does she get pens in it? Oh, she get. I I don't know that she's ever played a Mario Party specifically, but Jesse has a fierce competitor. Does she play streak. Mario Kart? Have you? Yes. Play Mario. Kart? How'd that go? Uh, it went. It went. <laughs> it went. <laughs> um. So let's 
you know, let's just cut to it. Some okay. badass shit happened in Star Wars this week. It certainly did. So, you, if you guys heard last week's show, in the middle of emails, we got hit with a little breaking news from MakingStarWars.net, where he, he by, and by he I mean Jason Ward, posted some incredible set photos from the soon-to-be shooting live-action Star Wars TV show, which at the time we didn't have a title for. And from there, he just kept dropping information. Oh, well, you know what else I've heard? This. Oh, well, you know what else I've heard? This. Jason is fucking killing it over at MakingStarWars.net. Well, then, I I don't know what night was it. Was it Wednesday night or Thursday night? Wednesday night. Old John Favreau himself makes a little Instagram post where he drops the first confirmed information about the Star Wars live-action series. And we reported, you know, once again, from Making Star Wars, that the general sort of plot or, you know, synopsis of the series was going to deal with Mandalore, Mandalorians and and all that good stuff post Return of the Jedi. And it's not that I don't trust Jason. He is way more right than he's ever wrong. I just couldn't let myself get too excited because look man, I've had that Boba Fett movie thing pulled out, the rug pulled out from under me on that Boba Fett movie too many times to so get too excited. Mm-hmm. Well, then listen to what old Johnny Favs has to say. <clears throat> After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. That's all he drops, right? And uh, my phone starts lighting up like the freaking sun. Because I'm working. Mm-hmm. First King Tom hits me up. Then our buddy Steve D hits us hits me up. Then Brandon hits me up. All these people are hitting me up like, are you seeing this? And uh, yeah. So I'm real fucking excited. Is this so is it supposed to be Boba Fett or is it just a Mandalorian? Uh, I don't believe it's supposed to be Boba Fett because he mentions after the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe, right? Just making sure. Now, there are some people that are um, sort of theorizing in the Aftermath books by Chuck Mm. Wendig. Yeah. There's a character who buys what appears to be Boba Fett's armor off of some Jawas. I believe his name is Cobb, Cobb Vanth, right? So there have been people theorizing that maybe that's who this is supposed to be. Honestly, I don't know if that's going to be the case. When we talk about the big shit that dropped yesterday, I'll give a couple of reasons why. But uh, what do you guys think? What do you Just from that synopsis alone, what, what does it bring to mind? What's it make you feel like? Excited? Uh, it's cool if you're not. Like, don't, don't let me bully you into being like, this is awesome. <laughs> no, dude, I'm excited... 
out of my mind. I'm going to get to see Mandalorian kick some ass. That's what I want. Yeah, I'm really excited, too. Like, whenever I heard the announcement, sort of two things popped in my mind. One was, I'm wondering if it's going to be, like, this Mandalorian on his own, kind of doing his own journey, or if he's going to be the Ezra of a crew, similar to how he wasn't. Um, and my second thought was, I wonder if John Favreau specifically mentioned Django and Boba so that the fans wouldn't theorize and say, look, it's beyond that. Let's put that to rest at first so that we can move on from that. That's a or right. some that sort of connection. Sense. That's a very good point like you could be like saying it like he did like wording it the way he does is very specific and i think you may be right where he's like look you're gonna see some images and -hmm. think this is boba fett but it's not right yeah um that brings up an interesting question because it is just called the mandalorian right so um it makes me wonder like the original stuff we heard through Jason's early reporting was that it was going to be focused on Mandalore and sort of how um, the Mandalorian culture uh, adapts and deals with the fall of the Empire, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the fact that it's called just the Mandalorian makes it seem like we're going to be mainly focused on one character, one Mandalorian. So I wonder if we're going to get sort of a Sabine like character for lack of a better term who is separated from mandalore off doing their own thing a lone gunfighter who slowly but surely gets pulled back into whatever conflict and you know stuff is going on with mandalore and the mandalorian empire as as a whole Mm -hmm. do you think it'll be sort of like how daredevil is with like netflix where it's just his story, but he still has sort of regulars around him, but they don't really go out with him whenever he does his thing. You know, honestly, that's probably not a bad analogy. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm going to try and remember all of the information that Jason has dumped on us in the last few days. It's a lot, guys. Like, if you want a really deep dive, check out makingstarwars.net for this. But... One of the things he mentioned is that, you know, originally we were hearing that this was going to be a 10-episode season. Well, apparently that's been cut down to eight. And the reason that Jason states for that is that's what the story needed was eight episodes. All killer, no filler. Which That's going to be cool. Yeah, that that doesn't phase me one bit. Eight episodes, ten episodes, I just want a kick-ass live-action Star Wars TV show, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, I wonder if this is going to be, you know, they might start off a little smaller and a little more focused for the first season, first season to see how it goes, and then things could expand past that, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say because we have so it, little it, information. If some of those supporting characters are really popular and talked about, you can guarantee they'll get a spinoff, probably. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's something interesting. Um, in the Hollywood Reporter report from last week when Kathleen Kennedy got her contract re-up for three uh, more years, they mentioned in that that right now, like the current like 
laser focuses on episode nine and getting sort of the live action TV stuff off the ground where they want to introduce new characters that they can build upon. Right. So you may be onto something with that. Will like maybe this will have its spinoffs of its own that focus on other characters besides just the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be really cool, like, not to just, like, dump on this Daredevil analogy, but it would be really cool if in this series they sort of referred to the fall of the Empire the same way that Daredevil and, like, that Netflix Marvel Universe refers to the stuff that happens with the Avengers as, like, the incident. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, this thing they hint to, but they don't need to rely on it to, to tell their own story. Yeah, especially being set in the outer reaches or uh, the outer rim, which it seems like <laughs> it's kind of hinting at in that announcement. Um, you know, really the core where all the, you know, big populated, like Republic controlled planets, that's where that's really going to have its biggest effect as the empire. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I agree. Like little references to, you know, the fall of the empire, the battle of Jakku or whatever, you know, that we, these little milestones we know about along the way. I think that would be perfect. Um, and you know, it also... So the question the question becomes like when we were looking at those set pictures last week immediately Will and I were both like oh it looks like Tatooine uh it could always be just another desert planet or something like that it may not even be a desert planet you know who knows what they're going to do with it in the end but if it is Tatooine do you not have to address Boba Fett at some point? I'm not saying he's going to be in it. I'm not even well, saying 100% that he's alive. As far as we know, there's no guarantee Boba Fett's on Tatooine. Well, that's the last time we saw him. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Now, this does take place a few years after Return of the Jedi, so if he survived, he could very well have gotten off of Tatooine, for sure. Yeah, I think if you're part of the camp that thinks that John Favreau made that statement to actually tie in Boba and Jango's lore into this new character, I think also adding as if like that's Tatooine supports that theory. Like if if this is Tatooine and he made that comment, like we're probably gonna go there in some respect. Now, could it even be that maybe this dude's on Tatooine looking for some evidence of Boba Fett or trying to figure out, you know, what happened? I don't know. Um, it just seems awfully odd that you would have a show called The Mandalorian that may or might, may not have some Tatooine shenanigans involved and not, like, it could be as simple as, like, what Evan was saying with just sort of little mentions of the fall of the Empire. There could be some sort of mention of Boba Fett. I am mm-hmm. not holding out or holding my breath on a Boba Fett appearance by no means. I'd be stoked if it happened, though. Well, so, then, yesterday, we get the big, the big meaty StarWars.com announcement, along with the first picture of the main character, and god damn, does he look sweet. Oh, my God. Um, uh, I don't... I really don't even know where to start. Like, he looks like trimmer. I don't know if it's slimmer somehow. Like the helmet's not as big or bulky. I don't know. I can't tell. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you, Will. I was looking at like old pictures of Boba Fett from Return of the Jedi just like because of this news. And Boba Fett's head sort of looks a little bit, or the helmet looks a little bit oversized in comparison, which I think this looks like a lot tighter. Not that I prefer one or the other, but I see right. exactly what you're saying. No, yeah. I, I, I totally see it too. It looks, um, you know, it could just be, you know, through Rebels and Clone Wars, we've we've seen some different style Mandalorian helmets. So oh, yeah. I imagine it's just them trying to put their own mark on it. Like if you notice... Let's talk about the picture before we get into the actual sort of press release or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you notice, there's no rangefinder on the helmet. That's like Boba Fett's little antenna that sticks out that goes over his eye and stuff. <clears throat> um, from the look at of it, it looks to mainly just be sort of silver and black, right? Like mm-hmm. a, I don't see a lot of other color elements. And there's also sort of a a ridge on the head that sort of goes down the middle of the head that's not there on the Boba helmet. Like there is a raised uh, section, almost like Magneto's helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his helmet looks a lot more like Django's than Boba's, in my opinion, which is interesting. It does. It does. Um, and then, like, his, the rest of his gear is, it's very Western-looking. Like, I have a feeling this is this is going to be that Star Wars take on a Western, a frontier Western outlaws, fucking lone gunman type thing, right? But mm-hmm. it's it's very muted. We're we're used to seeing, you know, fairly colorful Mandalorians. When you look at Boba, Jango, Sabine, even like Sabine's family and the Death Watch and stuff, but he's very muted. It's like you know, I love it. I, I think like, it's, it's like really all cool. brown and yeah. his helmet's like basically like silverish gunmetal steel. Yeah, it's it's I think it's cool too. He's um, got this black sash too that's tucked over his shoulder. Okay. So that sash, I think that might be a hood. Okay. That would um, be cool. I think that would be really cool. The reason I say I think it might be a, a hood is because in one of his reports, Jason mentioned that while they were filming there was a character on set who looked to be wearing a leather shoulder pad, which if you look at this, you know, picture of the character, it doesn't necessarily look like it's made of leather, but it's definitely that color. So you could see right. how from far away, that's how someone would interpret it. Right. And mm-hmm. the character that was being filmed had a black hood over their head and they couldn't really make out what was going on under the hood. So, mm-hmm. I think that black sash, because if you look at his neck, it even kind of looks bunched up like a hoodie. Like when you pull your hoodie, like when you don't have it pulled up and it sort of bunches up around your neck. Yeah. I'm a bit of a hoodie expert, guys. I don't know if you knew Are that. you? That actually might make a lot of sense, because if you think about why he doesn't have a rangefinder, you wouldn't be able to have a hood and a rangefinder. That's a very good point. Um, another feature of his armor is the rifle or whatever that we see on his back, the way that's sitting does not look like it would allow for a, a jetpack, does it? It does not. <clears throat> I'm all right without. I don't need a jetpack to think no, Mandalorians cool. are cool. A badass rifle and all those cartridges strapped across him—that's fucking kick-ass. He's got a blaster by his side too. Yeah, and our our buddy Robbo pointed out to me that it looks almost sort of like a sawed-off shotgun when you sort oh, of wow. like zoom in on it so yeah he's got another sort of weapon on his side he looks 
utility ass. box and then some like what looked like restraining bolts, but could be explosives, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who I mean, who knows what all those little goodies are? I really like his leg armor. His leg armor, um, on sort of the leg he's stepping forward with, looks kind of stormtroopery, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that they're not symmetrical too. Yeah, I mean, you see a little bit of that in Boba, yeah. you know, um, as well. Um, it's definitely different than Django's leg armor. Django's leg armor was very symmetrical, very smooth, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then Sal pointed out that apparently, and this is this is like some next level, fucking costumer attention to detail stuff. That apparently one of his shoulder pads is basically a short a shore trooper shoulder pad. Oh wow! And if you look, his shoulder his shoulder pieces aren't symmetrical either. Yeah, they're different. They're different colors, in fact. Um, the chest plate definitely doesn't seem to come down as far as Boba's, because like Boba's covers his stomach and stuff as well. You know, this seems like it stops just shy of the navel or something, maybe. Like a chest piece only. Yeah. Um. A couple of things I noticed. Boba's the... got a bandolier of uh, ammo across his midsection. Well, he's got like a belt with a bunch of pouches on. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, this guy has an actual bandolier. Um, yes. The butt of his rifle, the shape of it, is pretty much the exact shape. This is some nerdy looking at too many pictures of Mm. Boba Fett stuff. It's the exact shape of the butt of the rifle or the bident or whatever the fuck the weapon is that Boba uses in the holiday special. He's got that weird cattle prod weapon. um, And it has the exact same butt or stock, stock of the rifle. And another thing I noticed that I actually meant to send you guys, I'll text it to you now. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that Star Wars thirteen thirteen game that was in development that got canceled? Yes. This looks really close to the concept art for Boba Fett that they were going to use for that game. Because that game eventually morphed into a Boba Fett game where you were essentially part of the story was you were assembling Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor. He didn't have a f- his full set when it started. Oh yeah. You could definitely see the inspiration, right? In this. It That's lo- a great catch. That was one of the first things that popped into my head because I mean, like even the shorter chest piece, the way he's got the big rifle over his back, sort of That's the more sick. muted colors and stuff. Um, it looks like Django's helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I honestly think that at some point while they were developing this show, that that concept art had to come up. Unless it's just some crazy similar parallel thinking of sort of down-designing a Mandalorian almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't have um, the wrist armor. Right. It's not a 100% exact no, match, yeah. but I'm just... I, can, I can definitely see some similarities I, oh, to yeah. where maybe that was an inspiration behind it. Absolutely. I, I, whenever I saw this image, too, probably like the tenth thing that I thought of is that Haas is going to buy this hot toy day one. Oh, they, 
oh, <laughs> dude, I, I, if they put out merch today, I'd go broke. Like, oh, without oh, seeing yeah. the first episode of the show, I'd be like, yep, getting that, getting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all about it. Uh, I hope that it's really well supported as far as licensing and stuff goes. I have a feeling it will be because if there's something that sells for Star Wars, it's Boba Fett and Mandalorians. Like anytime they do a Mandalorian or a Boba Fett figure, that's a hard one to find. You know what I'm saying? I've never had an easy time finding a Boba Fett release. Yeah, and with the introduction of like a new Mandalorian like that, you automatically reset the market for every category of like of product that Boba Fett has ever been in. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? All those people who have bought all that Boba Fett stuff who are kind of burnt out on it, some, you know, um, will kind of have just a fresh uh, plethora of merchandise now. Yeah, exactly. And someone was asking me, I think it was Brandon that was asking, like, do they do hot toys for TV shows? And the only example I could find was that they've done some of the Marvel TV show hot toy stuff. They've done Daredevil and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I can't see why they wouldn't support it. Um, the question might end up being whether, because Hot Toys are, is, a, is a Chinese company. It's based out of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I, if for some reason this Disney streaming service isn't available over there, or it's not super... Um, easily accessible or whatever the case may be, then maybe they they don't produce uh, figures for that. I don't know. I'm just trying to prepare myself for disappointment. That's my fucking approach with <laughs> Boba Fett and Mandalorian-related stuff. Temper your expectations. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so, one of the other th- uh, things that jason was reporting on were possible directors for this series and he was saying you know that he heard that dave filoni was going to be involved and that he heard that somebody from the marvel cinematic universe was going to be involved and you know i dropped a little information like that uh well guess what got confirmed fucking stuff stuff jason said of course Oh, yeah. Let me read you guys the um, the press release that Star Wars put out. Production on the first live-action streaming series has begun. And then it gives that same uh, synopsis that John Favreau gave on his Instagram. The series will be written and executive produced by Emmy-nominated producer and actor John Favreau, as previously announced, with Dave Filoni directing the first episode. So Dave Filoni is directing the premiere. Additional episodic directors include Deborah Chow, who directed uh, some episodes of Jessica Jones, Rick Famiyua, who directed Dope, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Taika Watiti from Thor Ragnarok. Oh, that's going to be cool. It will be executive produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy, and Colin Wilson. Karen Gilchrist will serve as co-executive producer. Stay tuned to StarWars.com for updates. So there you go. We've got a full list of our directors. Now, uh, a couple of those will be directing more than one episode. You know, we said, we were talking earlier about how it's it's apparently going to be um, what the fuck? Apparently going to be sorry. Um, 
it was apparently going to be eight episodes, and that wasn't eight directors. Um, what do you guys think about the director list? Why don't we start with you, Evan? Yeah, uh, so two things stand out to me. Number one, I really like the diversity in the director list. It's um, about time. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think that after like the backlash of after Colin Trevorrow got picked and then he got canned and then J.J. Abrams was their next pick, like everybody was crying it out. And I think, I forget who it was, but somebody from Lucasfilm was like, like don't worry about it, like we got it taken care of. And I think nobody understood why, uh, especially after the Game of Thrones um, like uh, directors or writers had come out and like they're on top of a project. So I think tensions were a little high. Um, I think it's about time, and, and I'm really excited for a fresh take on, on Star Wars from their angle. And number two, I'm really excited that Dave Filoni is kicking it off because obviously like anybody who really like knows television knows that the pilot is usually the style that the rest of the series is, is modeled after, like kind of how J.J. Abrams, like I'm sure you know this way better than anybody has, J.J. Mm. Uh, Abrams directing the pilot of Lost. From that moment, he set a standard. And I think Dave Filoni is the perfect person to set that standard. I agree. I'm glad to see him getting his shot at live action. I, mm-hmm. I really think this may be a stepping stone to the eventual Dave Filoni movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see why you, you know, he, he wouldn't want to, and Lucasfilm would be a little hesitant to let him direct a live action movie going straight from animation to live action. I think this is a good way for him to get some experience in that sort of, you know, realm of production before eventually maybe helming his own, you know, full length Star Wars feature. Yeah. And I, I think it's there's no surprise that they've had like their issues with directors in the past. And I think that Dave Filoni has kind of been in like the Star Wars incubator for a while. And I don't think they want that sort of tension with somebody like him. And, you know. I have at times been tough on Rebels, mm-hmm. which Dave Filoni was a big part of, but there is no denying that Dave Filoni has a high-level love for Star Wars, understanding of Star Wars. You know, he, he basically apprenticed under George Lucas during mm-hmm. the Clone Wars and stuff. So I think Star Wars is in good hands with Dave Filoni, and I am looking forward to see what the next step is for him when he may not be as uh, held back as he might have been on Rebels. I'm starting to suspect that there might have been some shenanigans behind the scenes with the whole Rebels thing as far as, you know, uh, limitations put on that uh, crew by Disney and the fact that it was on Disney XD and all that stuff. What do you think, Will? What do you think about them directors? I think it's a star-studded list of very capable directors, and I can't, you know, can't wait to see what they come up with. Um, I think it's awesome that Bryce Dallas Howard is directing an episode, keeping it in the family. Right. Her dad just <laughs> knocked out Solo. Now she's going to direct an episode of the live-action show. I think that's cool. Did Did she direct the episode of Black Mirror that she was in? Honestly, I don't know. Um, She's credited in the um, press release as having directed something called Soulmates, which I'm not familiar with, so I can't speak to that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if she directed that episode of Black Mirror or not. That's a good episode, though. It is. It really is. 
I'm real excited about Taika Watiti. I hope I'm saying that yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so pumped about that. He did such a good job with Thor Ragnarok. It's by far, in my opinion, the most enjoyable of the Thor movies. It is. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies. Mine too. That Thor Ragnarok and the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Two, two of the most fun Marvel movies. <clears throat> well, Jason is like, okay, you guys going to announce the directors? I'm going to do you one better. And he broke the story of what episodes they're going to be directing. So... Dave Filoni, directing episode one. Rick Famayua, directing episode two. Deborah Chow, directing episode three. Bryce Dallas Howard, directing episode four. Dave Filoni, back again, episode five. Uh, Rick Famayua, back again, episode six. Deborah Chow, episode seven. And Taika Watiti is directing the final episode. I think that's a great way to end the series to bring on a really um high profile especially right now like right he is a strong beloved finish. guy yeah strong, strong finish. finish right so i think that has that leaves a lot of stuff to be excited about yeah i think if you're deborah chow i think you got to be the most excited about your placement in this lineup because i feel like episode three is about whenever everybody's kind of in the groove of the show and then oftentimes I feel like the episode before the finale is usually the most exciting. Yeah, um, well, you, you definitely leave it off on like a cliffhanger, you know what I'm saying? Probably mm -hmm. pretty action-packed. Like, yeah, I think I think she's got pretty premier um, placement in that lineup, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, still weird to me that they're filming this series and no casting announcements yet. We've seen the main character. We don't know who's in that armor. Um, Maybe they're trying to keep it a secret till the reveal on screen. It could be. That could very well be the case. And I was actually wondering, you know, if you're doing a show that is a badass dude all decked out in a costume, does that have to be, like, especially if you're just early days shooting, does that have to be the main actor or can you get a stunt person to perform that? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? doesn't even have to really be the guy who's in the suit. I imagine, you know, for a lot of it will be, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, especially when you can dub in his voice. And um, It's a good question, Will. Are they trying to save this for... I didn't even consider that, that they're trying to save that for some kind of big reveal. Hmm. I know this is a way too early question, but if you had to make a rough guess, like based on what we know right now, what percentage wise would you say that the the Mandalorian's helmet's going to be on versus off? And I know that a lot of that depends on who they cast, but just out of curiosity, what do you think that would be for something like this? See, that's a good question. For one, if you leave it on too much, it becomes a little goof, goofy in like a Power Rangers movie. You know what I mean? Mm. Um. And, you know, there's there's always a benefit of having the character unmasked, the performance you can get versus having them, you know, covered by a mask or a helmet. Yeah, it's hard to emote when you're wearing a helmet. Yeah, without it looking like sort of goofy and pantomime like uh, yeah. Power Rangers can. Or that scene in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man where Spider-Man and the Green Goblin are talking on the roof. 
Deadpool does a good job, but I feel like he's digitally enhanced. Well, it's the eye. You, that's the thing about Deadpool. He's got those animated eyes, like his right, like the the whites of his eye mask are animated. Same thing that they did with Spider Man and Homecoming. Mm-hmm. That adds a lot to it. I don't think you're gonna see that with his this guy's visor. That would be weird. <clears throat> um. So I would imagine we're gonna see. If I had to guess, it'll be scenes when he's kicking ass, when he's in battle, when he's intimidating people or shaking down people, he'll be helmeted. And then anytime you got to get the the drama and the interpersonal relationships going, helmet off so you can see the full facial expressions and stuff. He's a real human. Mm -hmm. It would be kind of an interesting twist if his identity was a secret. Um, Because everyone knows Boba and Django are, but like him hiding it, sort of like a Batman or Spider Man, could add for an interesting twist that they didn't have. For sure, they he's just known as the Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean that sounds like the way they're gonna go, right? Like that's the t- <coughs> that's the title of the series. Oh, what if he pulled that helmet off in the last episode and it's fucking Timora Morrison <laughs> under there, and everybody's oh. like, "Oh shit, it's Boba Fett!" Oh my <laughs> god, don't get. That's not going to happen, Holmes. Don't get too excited. Calm yourself. Calm. Yeah, you better calm yourself for that one. I doubt that one's going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, I, <laughs> I know, guys. I know, but I... I I'm I, not trying to shut you down. Sorry, I was just trying to be the voice of reason. Yeah, I, I need it, dude. Because if, if I don't have that voice of reason, it's going to get away from me. And I'm just going to be sleeping tonight dreaming of that scene happening. Um, So... Jason, I know we're going back to this, but guys, the level of reporting that Jason is doing on this series is top-notch. He was hearing from one of his sources that Pedro Pascal, who was in Game of Thrones playing the Crimson Viper, was... Or is it the Red Viper? Red Viper, Crimson Viper. I can't remember. Either way, it means the same thing was in the running for the lead role in this. So, um, but then he also heard, like, one of his sources reached out to that guy's um, representation, and they said he wasn't involved. So, maybe not looking as likely. Um, Mm. Jason has also heard that John Leguizamo is involved in the series, but not as the lead role. So... That's cool. I like John Leguizamo. I do too. Do, did you guys see that movie Chef that John Favreau did? Yeah. Huh. John Leguizamo is really good in that. He is. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. I won't lie. The last thing that I think I saw him in was The Pest. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say way better than he was in The Pest. Spawn. <laughs> yeah, way better than he. Well, he was all right in Spawn. Like, the problems with Spawn you can't put on John Leguizamo. Problems with that movie. Yeah. So, you know, the John Favreau connection with that movie, Chef, and uh, John Leguizamo, that makes sense why, Mm -hmm. you know, he would bring him over to the live action series. So, I think that could be cool casting. Um, You know, no really necessarily any information on what kind of role or anything. Um, Uh,. I think it would be badass if that guy from Game of Thrones 
was the main character, even though it's looking like it may not be like that likely. He's awesome in Game of Thrones. He's real good in Narcos. Um, he's a real solid actor. He kicks ass in Game of Thrones. So I could see him being a kick-ass Mandalorian, too. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that, Will. Like, I still, I can't get over that I didn't think, oh, they're they're trying to save this for some kind of big reveal. Oh, guess what? It's Carl Urban. Oh, Oh, look. It's Mike Myers. (laughs) Will Ferrell. Do you guys think, since they're going from 10 to 8 episodes, do you think they still get that um, unused 20 million for the show? Or do you think they lose it? I don't know. I was kind of wondering that myself. Um... Because, yeah, the initial reports was that the first season was going to cost about $100 million, right? Mm-hmm. And that, look, I know it's only one still we've gotten to see, but that first steal still fucking screams Star Wars. So, uh. the, like, the look and the, the vibe of it. So, that actually put my because that's something I've always been a little worried about is how do you do a live action Star Wars TV show and not make it seem kind of cheap? Mm-hmm. I enjoy Agents of Shield. It is very clearly much cheaper than your typical Marvel movie, right? Same thing with the Netflix series, the Star or Marvel Netflix series. I enjoy them much clearly much cheaper. And it seems like they're doing smaller sets enhanced by like blue screen and grease green screen because those set pictures that jason is posting they don't look like it's a huge area and it also looks like they're using that area for multiple different locations jason described it as sort of modular where they can move things around and reconfigure to make different sets which is probably a a smart uh approach and a way to keep the budget down as well yeah (laughs) probably too with the tv show i bet it's easier to sort of establish like a quote-unquote home base for the main character too Mm -hmm. so you'll reuse a lot of those same sets too i bet yeah i mean and that makes a lot of sense like if you look at sort of you know like daredevil it's a lot of different uh, daredevil seems to always be getting in fights in abandoned warehouses (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying and then yeah. besides that they've got you know the bar set they've got the law office set and things like that <clears throat> so i think you're right i think we will see you know certain locations showing up a lot um mm-hmm. which i'm fine with you know oh um, sure but yeah that is a good question since they cut it down do they still get that same hundred million dollar budget that just gets I would think maybe they do, because I would think that Disney has approved that budget for the series, and yeah, I, I think I, I think they would. I think that's how it's worked on Game of Thrones, to be honest, with Game of Thrones having shorter seasons the last couple of seasons. I think the budget actually got even bigger than it did for like a 10-episode season. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. All right, well, what's something you want to see out of this show? Uh, some bounties hunted. Okay. Okay. I want to see him hunt some bounty. 
I think I think you might be in. See, that's the question: Is he gonna be a bounty hunter? He may not be. Maybe he's a mercenary. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I would think mercenaries have to hum- do bounty hunting at some point. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you specialize. Lone I don't know how gunman. it works. That lone gunman line makes me think that, like, when I think of a lone gunman, I think of like westerns and stuff. So, like a Ronin. Yeah. Or that. Like a masterless samurai. Yeah. Um, what about you, Evan? What's something you want to see? Um, I guess something, and it might sound kind of random, but something I would really like to see it do a little bit differently than the films is kind of have characters who he gets attached to, but then maybe they die unexpectedly in the show. Um, you know, less of that. We know we're doing a trilogy with these characters. You kind of really don't have to worry about them. I would like there to be maybe like more risk in play. Okay. Some obviously, stakes. Exactly. Exactly. Like yeah. obviously he's probably not going anywhere cause he's, you know, that's the, what the show's named after, but I would like to see a little bit more stakes since this is a TV show and you don't really guarantee, you know, anybody really sticking around. I would like that a lot. I think, I think that's a great idea. You know, like that was part of, what made Lost exciting for me, what made, uh, you know, when I was into The Walking Dead exciting for me, what Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, the fact that, you know, expect the unexpected. Like, just like you said, um, with a Star Wars trilogy, like, we know these are our main characters. They're probably sticking around at least until the last movie. You know, when I'm talking like Kylo, Ray, Poe, Finn, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, yeah, that could that could be really cool. What about you? Oh, man. I think uh, I think that picture is what I yeah. want to see. Like, that, <laughs> like I, I, I'm so excited. Like, I am doing my best. Is what yeah, I'm doing my best to temper my excitement um, because... Like, I'll just start rambling. Like, this is what I want. Like, if this is what I get instead of a Boba Fett movie, you're not going to hear any complaining from me, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this this is it, man. Like, yes, thank you, finally. It's it's the first time, like, I've loved, ev- to this date, I've loved every Star Wars live-action thing I've ever seen. Every movie, right? This is the first time where I feel like, oh, this this one's really aimed at me. Like, this is 100. They've got me in their range finder, and they're like, fucking Target acquired. Halls, you're going to dig this. And not just me, obviously. There's tons of Mandalorian and Boba Fett fans out there. But I'm real excited. Um, I would like to see... So if we're not going to get Boba Fett, you know what they could give me that would be kind of cool? IG-88. Dengar. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Forlorn, Zuckus, give me some of the Bosk, give, give me some of those other bounty hunters. Like, may, have this guy butt head, heads with those dudes at some point. Um, and the other thing I would like to see, I don't need to see Boba Fett. Like I said, I don't need to have him make an appearance. I don't even need confirmation that he need that he's alive. I would like some sort of reference, or Easter egg at the least, sort of mention of Boba Fett. That's what if he does show up. What if he shows up? Oh, if he shows up, guys, if he shows up, I am going to, you will not be able to deal with me. (laughs) It'll be through the roof. 
Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, man. You're going to be like, oh, I can't make the podcast this week. You're just going to be screaming in the microphone for two hours. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Would you be heartbroken if, like, the Mandalorian was shopping around the market for armor pieces and you found like a piece of like boba fett's armor and he he just took it and wore it like because that would probably mean he's not in it no see that's the thing um at this point i i'm not even quite sure that boba fett is supposed to be alive right yeah supposedly well not supposedly jw rensler the guy that wrote the making of star wars books um he said that george lucas told him boba fett's alive and people have been using that as sort of their evidence to be like, well, yeah, Boba Fett's alive. They're going to do, like, something with him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> Disney and Lucasfilm may not consider him still alive. And then when you look in Aftermath, what is in Aftermath? Boba Fett's armor, but no Boba Fett. Almost like the Sarlacc spit out his armor and ate the tasty Boba Fett meat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, if, yeah, if he's on a market in, in a market in Tatooine or something and, and finds some piece of Boba Fett's armor and buys it, he puts it, it adds it to his armor collection, I'll be all right with that. Like, yeah. I don't have to, Boba Fett does not have to have survived Return of the Jedi to make me happy. I would love for him to have survived i'd love to see more boba fett but it's not a necessity not what i'm getting this i'm not going to be greedy and selfish i'm getting the mandalore as a live action tv show i'm not going to complain do you you think they took a lot from star wars underworld and kind of like reformatted it to be what it is like not directly but do you think that they kind of like picked it apart and took like what worked i would think so I think that's a very strong possibility. Um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy said at one point that they have all those scripts for Underworld and that they were, they were evaluating them and seeing what they could use and stuff. Apparently, mm-hmm. some of even the stuff from Solo could have been partially from um, Underworld or at least inspired by Underworld. So I wouldn't doubt it. Um I doubt, like you said, I doubt it's anything directly lifted, but maybe inspired from or reconfigured by, you know what I'm saying? It could yeah. could definitely be the case. Who was it that said nothing is wasted when it comes to that kind of stuff? Um, That might have been Pablo. I can't, I remember the quote you're talking about. Um, and look, it, it's very clear that <laughs> just because something doesn't make it into a movie or animation an idea or piece of concept art doesn't make it into um a movie or animation the first go around it Mm -hmm. it could very well show back up look at how many unused macquarie uh designs they used in rebels this mandalorian guy looks like he was inspired by the star wars 1313 game like yeah if it's a good design or good idea they definitely will revisit it so I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I won't lie to you. I was actually really hoping that George Lucas would direct one of the episodes. Dude, that's the only way I could be more excited by the director's list. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. It would be amazing. Like, yeah, that would be real rad. Like, I'm I'm super happy with the director's list. The only way I could even be the, the tiniest bit 
um, more excited would be maybe a Damon Lindelof episode, although I don't know how likely that is, and a George Lucas episode. That would be incredible. Yeah, especially because he seems to have like a bit of a like resurgence, kind of like Hayden Christensen does, you know? Like, I think people are a little bit hungry to see that. I think so. so, too. I think people would be really excited to hear that. It's a much less, you know, intensive commitment to direct an hour episode of TV versus a huge $200 million plus Star Wars movie. Like, yeah, and who <laughs> knows? Maybe he wouldn't be interested, but I would be so stoked. Yeah. <clears throat> well, guys, we have a lot of... <laughs> Uh, I, we're not the only ones excited. We have a lot of emails and voice messages. I have oh a goodness. feeling that we might know what they're about. So why don't we jump into those and continue this conversation on that way? Let's do it. Let me um, let me play us in with a jaunty little ditty about <laughs> how a dude's head looks like a dick. Kia D. Kia D. going on I, can you still hear it no is it still going on no i can't hear it either i just didn't know if it was still, still okay. going okay Whew. all right the universe really didn't want to hear that cockhead song today. <laughs> you guys could hear that okay though mm -hmm. yeah. until the craziness started all right so let me get this uh set up we're gonna hear from our buddy king tom first Always coming through with the voicemails, our King Tom, buddy. The royal, the royal element. And here we go. Hey, Hawes and Will. It's King Tom. First, I want to make sure that Hawes is okay. Uh, you know, heart I'm not. is fine. Hasn't stopped or, you know, having palpitations after all this uh, wonderful news we found out about the Mandalorian. Uh, it's, it's been a really good week for Star Wars news, and everything we got just makes the show even better, even the potential of it is more exciting. But the one thing I, I find myself wondering, and this comes after the news that we found out yesterday about the slate of directors they have lined up, what do you guys think the tone of this show is going to be? Uh, just from the synopsis and the one picture, it's looking like a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of people saying, you know, Western 
in space, something like that. Um, but then again, you have you know people like uh, Dave Filoni, and who you know he's background in animation. Taika Waititi, who he's kind of I, I say this in a good way. He's got a, a wacky sensibility. Um, he knows how to make fun of himself I mean, of the material that he's working with. He has fun with it, obviously. Don't know really much what uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's style is. Um, I don't know the guy who directed Sugar in the Wood, but I I know I knew someone out of college who um, was a real big fan of the movie The Wood. So that guy has a lot going for him. And then you have the the woman who directed Jessica Jones. And I don't always like the pacing of the series. I think they have way too many episodes they have to fill. But I think they do a really good job with the Marvel shows, especially Jessica Jones. And I just hope they don't go too serious or dark slash gritty like I think some of these Marvel Netflix shows have gotten. I mean, I like them, but at the same time, I think they're a bit too... I hate saying dark and gritty, but dark and gritty. And for this, I'd, I'd imagine that they want to appeal to everyone. But I'm just trying to figure out what type of tone they're going to have. So, I don't know. What do you guys want to see? Especially as the, you know, the, the Star Wars community resident Mandalorian uh, <coughs> fan. Pause. What do you think? Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast. And I'll talk to you guys later. I think that's an interesting question. What is, what is the tone ultimately going to be? Mm-hmm. What do you I mean, think? I think what? we've been talking about it all night. I mean, I think that's what we've been talking about. It it, it could be a bounty hunter, it could be a mercenary. The tone, I imagine, the tone may be repentance or forgiveness, atonement, something along that order, or you know, that's just that makes a good solo story, you know, for a, a, a solo mercenary trying to make up for something he's done or seen or been a part of. Yeah. Um see the thing is is I don't think you you hire someone like Taika Watiti if you don't want some sort of humorous element. Mm-hmm. And I think there has been a fair amount of humor in all of the recent Star Wars movies from Disney. I mean there has to be. Yeah. So I definitely think up. there will be some elements that lighten it up. Like you know, the humor is a part of Star Wars. Even, you know, not I'm not talking Jar Jar. I'm not talking, you know, Poe Dameron making your mom jokes to General Hux. I'm talking, like, from A New Hope. There's there's humorous elements. Han run, yeah. Han and Chewie run after that stormtrooper and come up on the room full of stormtroopers, and they turn around and haul ass away. Like, So I imagine... Ooh, scruffy looking. I imagine it will be... I don't expect it will, it will be... Um, solo or um, some parts of Je- Last Jedi levels of humor, but I definitely think there will be humorous uh, elements. Um, I'm expected some serious business from it, though. I think it, <laughs> I and and like King Tom said, I don't see it being as quote unquote dark and gritty as the Netflix Marvel stuff, partially because. Marvel is keeping those shows on Netflix separate from the Disney app because they feel like that's more R-rated Marvel and the stuff on the Disney streaming service is going to be more PG-13, you know, at most. So I think that's, you know, in that area. Um, What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I think think there's definitely going to be humorous elements, like you guys had said, as Star Wars always is. 
I think I'm most interested tone-wise in the main character. Like, is he going to be more in line with Batman or more in line with Spider-Man? Like, Spider-Man, like, being able to comment on the situation and, like, how ridiculous it might be or dangerous or whatever, or more like Batman where it's, like, once it's time to go out there, it's just all business, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, really, really curious what they're going to decide to do, but something tells me it'll be more like the Batman angle because the Mandalorian doesn't sound like something jokey if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean real Clint Eastwood, mysterious yeah. stranger. You know, if if they're really looking to bring in like John Leguizamo or someone of that caliber, um I would imagine that the main character, the Mandalorian will be be sort of what you're saying, the Batman, the down to business, but you got to have someone there to lighten it up. So that may be like a sidekick or an informant or, you know, something like that that's more humorous and stuff. Yeah. All right. Next, we got a voicemail. We haven't heard from this guy in a little while. Well, we hear from him every week, but we haven't heard a voicemail from him. Uh, he is the song master extraordinaire, our buddy Steve Ad. Mm-hmm. Let's hear what he has to say. He texted me after the announcement and was like, I'm sending in a voicemail, bro. Let's hear what he's got to say. Well, there you go. I was not expecting that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. He really went for it. How's your throat, Steve? You all right, buddy? <laughs> I doubt he can speak after that. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have uh, a voicemail from our buddy on Twitter, at SW Ramblings, or Star Wars Ramblings. Hello there. Long-time listener here. Glad I finally have a thought I'd like to share with y'all. This is at SW Ramblings on Twitter, by the way, just to put a face to the voice. Hope y'all have a good one. So let's hear what he has to say in his voicemail. Maybe it's a she. I don't know. Star Wars Ramblings. We're about to find out. This is a fucking journey. (laughs) Hey, Haas. Hey, Will. This is Andy calling. Uh, longtime listener. I absolutely love your guys' work that you guys do on the podcast. And uh, I'm assuming that you guys have already talked to death the John Favreau post regarding The Mandalorian. And if I'm being honest, I was slightly disappointed. If I'm... Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, I... Huh, how do I put this? I really wanted a political thriller. I was wanting a Game of Thrones vibe from this series. I wanted a... I was... I would have been much happier if the blurb put out by Favreau would have read something to the effect of in the years following the fall of the Empire, the Mandalorian people uh, face a cultural crisis and... Game of Thronesiness commences. Now, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed that it looks like we're going to be getting more of a lone gunfighter sort of story. It says so right in the blurb. With that being said, I'm incredibly excited 
because let's face it, everything that's coming out is fan fiction and John Favreau as a fan is getting to tell the story that he would love to see in star Wars. And I am also fully aware that there are tons of fans out there like yourselves who are incredibly ready for a Boba Fett film. So my question to you guys is this going to be okay if it isn't Boba Fett? Does it have to be Boba Fett or is a story similar to what a Boba Fett film would have been a reasonable compromise or a reasonable uh, substitute for a Boba Fett story? Because at least to me, while sure the idea of a Boba Fett live action story, whether it be a TV show or movie, isn't super compelling. But still, you get to have a, a badass Mandalorian going out trying to make a name for his or herself. So is is that going to be uh, a proper substitute for you, even if it isn't Boba Fett himself? Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening and for taking my voicemail call thing, email attachment, whatever the hell it is. And as always, may the force be with you guys. Take care. For me, the answer is yes. It, it won't matter whether it's Bubba Fett or not to me. I think we've been talking a lot about that tonight as well. Yeah, and can I just say, Andy, what a good-sounding voicemail. Damn. Like, that was crystal fucking clear. That was really, really clear. I was thinking the same thing on my end. Um, so what I would say is maybe don't get too bummed about it not right now seeming uh, like it's not sort of a political intrigue or a you know a Game of Thrones vibe because if we've learned anything from Star Wars TV, granted it's only been animation so far, the stories evolve, and I think you know if we are talking of a, a lone gunman story separated from the rest of the Mandalorian culture, um, I think you could definitely get to a point where he gets drawn back into that and it could get to that place eventually. Um, mm -hmm. You know, to start off with, though, to keep it lower budget, to introduce the character and sort of introduce you to this time setting in Star Wars, which we haven't seen in live action yet, you, you might want to go a little more small and focused before you build, you know? So I could see it building to that point eventually. So I would say don't let it get down, get you down too, too I'll, much. I'll tell you why I think they didn't do it off the bat, because of Phantom Menace. The way Phantom Menace starts with a trade war negotiation, trade blockade, and it caught a lot of flack for that. And I, don't, I think that's why people don't hit the political aspect of it right off the bat. They kind of ease into it. Yeah, and if you notice, there hasn't been much of that in any of the Star Wars. Like, any of, since um, The Force Awakens. Like, we don't really know much about the, the New Republic or... In the workings of the Senate or anything like right. that. Right. We don't really... And I, and I think you're right. I think, <clears throat> you know, some people shy away from that. I, I think it's something that they would want to address eventually. Because I think mm -hmm. it is an important part of Star Wars. Um, so I think if you build up to it, though, you know, it could be a little more well-received than maybe it has been in the past. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I, I think if I had to offer some words of hope to him, I would say because he's chosen concepts and characters who 
or agnostic of particular actors that have already existed in Star Wars. Like this is something that could happen at any time because we're living in an era now where Star Wars does not have a foreseeable end. You know, um, this could be something that could, could happen at any point in time, especially with Boba Fett sort of just being a character behind a mask. So I think that there's hope there. Uh, for me personally, though, I think that I'm really, really excited about this series because I'm hoping it's the first time I'm turning on Star Wars and I don't know anybody. Uh, I, I've obviously appreciated every film and spinoff that has come out. Even the Han Solo film, I absolutely loved it. But I think that now getting into, you know, um, four years after the Force Awakens had come out, you know, I think it's probably time to give us something that doesn't have to piggyback off of some themes we already know, or specific, I should say specific moments we already know, but carry more over themes in like the lore itself. So I'm excited for it in that respect. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think we stand a good chance of this being a show where, at least to start off, Mm -hmm. We don't know anybody. I just, you know, with the connections to Mandalore, I got to wonder, do we eventually see Sabine in live action? Do we see Bo-Katan? You know, I think all of that stuff is on the table, potentially. Now, whether it really happens, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but we know, uh, we assume at least that those characters are still around. They were around during Rebels. We know Sabine is. The question is, when does Sabine leave with Ahsoka? Um, mm -hmm. after the end of Rebels. Was that a couple of years after Return of the Jedi, right after Return of the Jedi? So if she's off with uh, Ahsoka looking for Ezra, then there's a good reason she wouldn't show up. Yeah. All right, we got one more voicemail, and then we got some emails, and we'll wrap it up. Now, this next voicemail, once again, from someone we haven't heard from in a, a long time, but damn. I'm excited to hear from him. He's he's called in before and been having a good old time, sipping on some wine, playing with his lightsaber. I don't mean that in a dirty way. It's our buddy DeMarcus. So let me get him all set up so we can hear what he has to say. I've still been listening every week. I just got lazy with the voicemails. And before you know it, it's like, holy crap, I haven't seen one in like a year almost. So definitely wanted to get back in the mix with things. So um, the Mandalorian. <laughs> the Mandalorian. How awesome of a title of that, uh, of a title is that? It's so. Oh, no. Oh, man. Technical difficulties tonight. Uh, Sorry, it, guys. It just, it really sounds, it just amped me up like a hundred times for this series. Like, I am so ready for this. The Mandalorian. Let's hope the primary character can live up to just how badass of a title that that is because... That's Man, true. That's good. Um, the resistance, resistance comes out Sunday. Cannot wait for that. I love visually how it looks. It's the cell shading, the bright colors. It's different yet similar. It's it's just really cool, and um, I can't wait for it. Not to mention, can you imagine how awesome the toys are going to look for those vehicles? Ugh. It's. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my wallet, I don't know if it can take it. Speaking of things that my wallet <laughs> can handle, oh. Hot Toys just previewed the uh, Crate Force force Projection Luke and amazing. They've outdone themselves with this one. I have to have this one. The picture that sold me was the one with his hood up. 
oh, it just looks so good. So, yeah, thank you, Hot Toys. You guys are going to break my freaking pockets, but um, well worth it, quite frankly. Um, but, yeah, guys, um, I've been listening, like I said, every week. Um, I've just gotten lazy with it, but I'm back. Happy to go ahead and put in some work here. And, um, yeah, may the force be with you. Well, we are real stoked to have you back, buddy. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so yeah, buddy. Thanks for uh, calling back in. I'm glad you've uh, you know been along with us all along, but it's still nice to hear from you. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. They because New York Comic Con is going on right now, and there's been some Star Wars announcements. Um, they're kind of getting lost in the shuffle with all this mandalorian talk but they released some images of the star wars resistance figures oh really yeah they look really cool um they look very like the paladins from voltron like all the pilots have their suits and their removable helmets and stuff they look really cool they didn't show off any vehicles um so hopefully the the line does well enough so they can do some of those because like DeMarcus said, some of those vehicles could be really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm 100% in on that damn crate Luke Skywalker hot toy. It's not coming out until the end of next year, but I don't give a fuck. Um, we haven't really touched on this with you, Evan. What are your feelings on Resistance? Um, I, I'm not... I'll be honest, I'm not super crazy about the cel-shaded style of it. Um, I think it's mainly because, like, looking at it from an art perspective, at least my style, I kind of just want to outline them in black lines just because it's just what I'm used to. Uh, I don't think it'll take anything away from the show from me. I think it's just more of, like, a nitpick, to be honest. But I really, really hope that Kaz separates himself from Ezra um, because I think that he looks very, very similar to him. Um but outside of that, I'm only naming those nitpicks because I think it's going to be a really, really good show, and I'm excited for it. I do hope that the production keeps ramping up a little bit because it seems like they've been awfully quiet for a little while on it, and I hope it isn't indicative of the quality. But it seems like a lot of the voice cast members are really excited about it, so I'm hoping that that's a good sign from it. Yeah. Um, well, we've only got a couple of days, as of recording this at least, until we get our first look at it i'm excited i'm excited that uh sunday night we're gonna get a chance to check out some brand new never before seen star wars mm-hmm. um i might know um a couple of people that might have gotten a look at it Ooh. Um, uh, and one of them didn't tell me anything uh you know specific but said it was really good oh, um, that's and uh he might be off doing karate somewhere so I I trust him with my life. Um, All right. So let's jump into some emails. The first one up, we've got an email from our buddy Aaron Johnson that we met in California, Will. Oh, right on. Hey, Will. Hey, Halls. Buckethead Aaron here. How the hell are you? I'll be honest. I don't actually have any thought-provoking questions for you, so I apologize. I just wanted to write in to say a few things. First off, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying the Patreon content. Every single segment kicks ass. I recently just got back from a 10-day vacation in Ireland, so I'm behind on my podcast content. But anyways, I'd just like to say to anyone listening that if you haven't joined the Blue Harvest Patreon, you don't know what you're missing. Thanks, buddy. 
Oh, dude, thank you. My second reason for writing. While in I- Ireland, we made an impromptu stop at a wildlife park in County Cork called Foda Wildlife Park. Halls, the wildlife park alone is well worth your visit to Ireland. From what we thought would be a quick stop turned into the best four hours of Bonnie's trip to Ireland. And that's saying something considering I finally popped the question to her. Congrats, oh. guys. Already congrats. Yes, congratulations. Already congratulated you guys on Twitter, but it bears repeating. The park puts the zoos in California to shame. These animals have so much room to roam. Wallabies literally roam the park outside the fences, hopping along right in front of you. Oh, my God. Bonnie even padded one. And if you pay a little extra on top of the 16 euro entry fee, you can have giraffes eat right out of your hand. Don't even get Bonnie started on the monkey islands. Anyways, it's well worth a visit. The Dublin Zoo is supposed to be twice the size and weigh more animals. So I know where we're going the next time. You can also tell Jesse that there are some haunted castles and haunted decommissioned prisons as well. If you guys find yourselves in Galway, make sure to check out King's Head, where we had a steak so good even Chef Will would be drooling. (laughs) <laughs> anyways i'm writing this kind of late on friday night while i'm listening to the first episode of your creepy so i'm not sure if i'll make the deadline for episode 168 apologies for not having any questions it just felt i just felt it was important that halls was made aware of this wildlife park in ireland keep up the great work making everyone smile and laugh your loyal moisture farmer aaron oh dude that place sounds right up my alley dude right it's a, yeah, it, and you don't have to have a question to write in. Your no, write-ins are welcome. No, that shit was perfect. Question or, or no. That, that was, was awesome. right on topic for this goofy-ass show. <laughs> I mean, I, all I got to do is hop on a plane and go to Ireland, and I can hang out with wallabies at a, a wildlife park? Dude, that's where you're going. Uh, that's the next place Hoss is going to go. <laughs> I would 100% believe that. Um, Anytime I'm on my Twitter feed and I see a video on raccoons, I know it's Haas retweeting it. Yes, it is. That's that's my brand. I'm sticking Haas, to my brand. Haas is like, they have little people hands. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> they have little human hands. Uh, buddy, you don't know. <laughs> I just want to be friends with the raccoon. It's possible. I've seen people do it. You're Like, I can't fight that impression because it's 100% spot on. Check this out. <laughs> Jesse works with a lady at her new job who had a pet raccoon and was telling Jesse, don't let your fiance get a pet raccoon. It was the biggest mistake we ever made. And so I'm like, oh, great. Thanks a lot, lady. I don't even know. Ruining my hopes and dreams of having a pet raccoon. Right. Raccoons are wild. They're not pet. And my, and my exact response, Will was, Almost 100% what you said. But look at their little hands. Look at their little people <laughs> hands. Look at their little human hands. And then I They're proceeded little human hands. I proceeded to watch 30 minutes of raccoon videos on YouTube. Oh, my God. Now, the thing with a raccoon, I think the perfect solution would be if I made friends with an outside raccoon who mm-hmm. didn't live in the house but who would maybe come up to the patio every evening for dinner. Who you would have to take to the vet to get anti-rabies injections. Let you, me know, you want to know how much fun it is to get a <laughs> raccoon in a cat carrier, Hawes? Yeah, not Hawes, 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 let friendly. me ask you this. How long, honestly answering this, is it going to be until that raccoon is on the couch with you? 
see that's you're probably right like especially <laughs> if i make friends with a baby raccoon who's like yeah. real like who's friendly who lets me pet it and stuff see the thing is is i would never want to get a raccoon as a as a you know a domesticated pet which i argue is possible you see it all the time on youtube but mm-hmm. I, the only you thing want i want your house to be a destructive no, chaos man. pit look it up these people have nice houses it's it's it's, but they also have the means and the experience to provide for the raccoon in an adequate manner. That's what I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want to get a raccoon and not be able to adequately care for it and provide for it. And then, like, mm-hmm. I've got a sad raccoon. No, thank you. So that's really Ruined the thing. The raccoon life. Yeah, that's that's what I wouldn't want to do. So I, that's why I feel like making a Disney friends- movie here. It's a DC movie. <laughs> That's why I feel like making friends with an outside raccoon who maybe every now and then comes in and hangs out on the couch with me. <laughs> I, I think that's that's the ticket. I often run into that problem, too. Like, sometimes when I go to the zoo, I look at an animal and I'm like, how realistic would it be to have that animal in my living room? And then there's this oh, YouTube dude. channel that I watch, and it, like, it grounds me. It goes into detail, and it says, hey, this is what it would take for you to domesticate this animal and then it says like all the stuff about temperature regulation, <laughs> diet, mm-hmm. how much space that it needs, the messes that it makes. And then by the end, I'm like, okay, I'll just stick to the videos. Yeah, because I'm not a unreasonable, reasonable person, and I would never want to harm one of these animals or not be able to take correct care of it. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what got me off of wanting to have a fox as a pet, because I started doing research and watching YouTube videos of people that have foxes as a pet. And this one lady was like, look, we love our fox. She's wonderful. She loves us. Yes, it's awesome having a pet fox, but it also sucks having a pet fox because mm-hmm. you can't um, litter train or bathroom train a fox. A, po- a fox will just piss and shit wherever it wants. And apparently Oof. they do that all the time to mark stuff. And the lady was like, People that come over to our house say they can smell our house outside. Oh my god! And that was, and I was like, oh, that's all I need to hear. No pet fox yeah. for me. But I still like the pet one. I would like to go over to someone's house and be like, oh, I always get the, I always get that feeling in the zoo where I'm like, ah, oh, I wish all these animals didn't have to be here. But then I wouldn't get to see any of these animals. But then maybe if they were in the wild, they'd be dead anyway. So they're just chilling here. I don't know. It yeah. just makes me feel bad. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I agree. I, I feel you. And sometimes I get a little bummed out at a zoo too. But it's only when I feel like the zoo is not adequately prepared for that animal. Like, mm-hmm. right. I feel like the Birmingham Zoo does, mo- for the most part, does a really good job of taking care of their animals. They have, like, the lions yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, stuff. I've been to the Memphis Zoo, and the Memphis Zoo is good too. You know? Right. But every now and then you go to, like, maybe not such a nice zoo, and you're like, oh, man. This ain't right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There used to be this zoo in Gulf Shores. Do you remember? Did you ever go to the zoo in Gulf Shores, Will? I don't think so, dude. Dude, it was it was sad. It was a sad zoo. Oh. Um, oh, no. I don't want to hear this. Yeah, this I is... mean, I don't... I, I. It wasn't like I saw anything horrible. It was just very... It was a very small zoo, so all the animal enclosures were also very small. Um. But yeah, I, I I can hear you guys what you're talking about with with not liking a zoo, or or not not liking a zoo, but feeling bummed out a little bit sometimes. 
But then yeah. on the other hand, like I look at all the good stuff zoos do as far as education and preservation and things mm-hmm. like that. And that to me makes it worth it. Um, especially yeah, if they're I, well cared for. Yeah. I think like whenever I go to like the Pittsburgh zoo, for example, like part of the issues that I have are based on my own, like, ignorance as far as like some of the situations go like i'll see an animal and i'll be like that's not enough room for that animal and it like is you know what i mean and they're like well this animal actually needs this amount of space or gets anxiety if it has too much room and you know what i mean i'm like right. i'm just gonna shut up and you know <laughs> be here so <clears throat> all right so we got two more emails first up we've got one from our buddy dave hey moof milkers dave from south florida here i love the la- episode last week hearing you react to breaking favreau set photos reminded me of why i listen i appreciate the genuine enthusiasm guys anyways i'm just getting back from an orlando vacation with my wife and daughters since my girls are smaller we normally visit disney world but this time we were going to check out the harry potter stuff at universal studios i've seen pandora at disney's animal kingdom and while it's undoubtedly very cool it doesn't have a rich fleshed out backstory or a bunch of movies and books. When I saw the Harry Potter theme land at Universal for the first time, it blew my mind. My wife is super into the books, but I've never read them, and while I like the movies well enough, I'm not a super fan. That said, I'm not going to lie. I was a little checked up, at the, choked up the first time I walked through the fresh threshold. The attention to detail is incredible, and every inch of everything has a deeper meaning for those that know what to look for. It is especially cool that it's fully immersive. You can't see in from the outside, and you can't see out from the inside. Of course, this got me thinking about Galaxy's Edge. I don't really know what defies Star Wars and other than you kind of know when you see it. Have you guys thought about what you'd like to see from a Star Wars land? Dave from South Florida. What about you, Evan? What would you like to say or see in a uh, Star Wars land? Uh, that's tough. I think because like a lot of the like you don't really see like a lot of the snacks outside of Star Wars. Like maybe blue milk is probably the most popular type of food from that world. And like whereas like with Harry Potter, there's like a whole candy shop and things like that. Um, but I don't know. Like maybe some things I would like to see would be like maybe like a big hologram somewhere in the park. Um, like portrayed exactly as it is in the films because that I, would be cool. I feel like Star Wars like has that trademark like blue. Um like old classic TV kind of static look to their holograms and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Like actual droids rolling around or staff as droids, you know, walking around aliens walking around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I got to agree with Dave that Harry Potter magic, whatever that shit is called magical world of hurry, hurry Potter in Orlando is incredible. We went, um, last year when we went to celebration and it's amazing. And just like Dave, the only thing I could think the whole time was they're going to be doing this for star Wars soon. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it's not very long until I'll be able to go and do this exact same thing, but star Wars. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, well, when we went to Disney back in May, yes, like in Tomorrowland, where all the star Wars stuff is, was very cool. There's no taking away from it, but at no point did I feel like, oh, I'm in Star Wars. It felt like I was in a theme park with know. Star You're Wars stuff. You're in a stuff. museum. Star Wars is what it felt like. Well, yeah. I, th- yeah, that was cool. I mean, like, I'm not taking anything away from it, but I never got that 
sense of immersion. You know what I mean? Where I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm on a... Standing on a flight deck, yeah. looking out at a starscape. <clears throat> so I think that's what I'm mainly looking forward to. And like mm-hmm. these guys said, I need to see some a aliens. A hollow chessboard. Yeah. You know, like, uh, a cantina. Cool. You know what I mean? Cantina. Like, need yes. A, there's there's a lot of things that could make it really cool. I think it would be cool um, at um, Harry Potter World. You can buy a wand, right? And there's different places throughout the park that you can interact with with your wand. So, like, if you wave your wand at this fountain, it'll start shooting water. Right. Or you can wave it at this display and something will happen. I think it would be really cool if they did something like that with Star Wars. But, you know, make it the Force. Mm -hmm. Like, you get a little wristband or something and you can make Force motions. Oh, that'd be so cool. You know, that would be cool open a door or lift a rock or something. That would be cool. All right. One last email, and then I'll let you two handsome gentlemen go and enjoy the rest of your evening. And this one's from our buddy Frazier. Hey, Halls and Will. Seeing the pictures from the Star Wars live action show has me so, so worked up, man. I'm all about the eye candy that is the Mando armor. The thing that stands out the most for me is this whole patina slashed weathered look. It just adds so much depth to the visuals. I think this was a big part of the appeal of Boba's armor, too. I also think the weather feel also applies massively to Star Wars sets and ships. Some, fi- some films do this better than others for me personally. I feel like Episode One, mainly Tatooine, Rogue One, Solo, and the original trilogy did a great job of capturing the war-torn, aged feel, while I feel like the sequel trilogy, although has some parts which have good depth and detail overall, feels a bit shiny and new, especially the First Order and the Resistance ship seem very clean and unused. I know the First Order hasn't been around so long and and can be excused, but I kind of gathered that the Rebels and Resistance were made up from leftover ships, old surplus, etc., as they didn't have the funding. Interesting to see how you see it. Also, do you have a favorite item in Star Wars? Big or small that has this patina look and crazy detail, ships, weapons, armor, or costumes besides Boba. Thanks again, Fraser from Newcastle, UK. Thanks for writing in, buddy. What about you, Evan? Do you have a, a favorite sort of old, weathered-looking thing in uh, Star Wars that you really dig? Um, That's a really, really good one. To be honest, I don't think that I have something off the top of my head. I think I have to think about that one. That's tough. You know, I was I was thinking about it while I was reading this email. One that's big for me is the Millennium Falcon. Now, mm-hmm. and it's one that I went, I'm going to be honest, I never even realized how weathered and, and stuff it looks until I got to see the new version in Solo. Yeah. You know, once you see that version of the Falcon versus what we get in the original trilogy and sequel trilogy, like... The attention to the weathering, like the the scorch marks coming out of the vents on the top and the inside looking like, damn, Han Solo is a hoarder or something. Like, it's it's really impressive. Um, um, and I kind of get what he means about stuff in the sequel trilogy not looking as necessarily weathered and lived in. But then I look at stuff like on Jakku, like, that's a whole planet of weathered beat up stuff you know 
Yeah, that ad at is actually a really good one. Yes, that ad at is excellent. That crash star destroyer, mm-hmm. um, Ray Speeder, um, is a yeah. really good one. I feel. <laughs> um, and then with the starfighters, like Poe's X-wing, because it's got the black paint job, doesn't really convey that weathered, beat up look as well. Uh, as other stuff and neither do sort of the blue and white x-wings that the rest of the revent uh resistance fighters um pilot what about you will do you have something in that vein that's one of your favorites no i I wonder if the b-wing like i really like the b-wing and if it was kind of beat up and weathered i can imagine that would be really cool but Mm -hmm. yeah other than that you know i can't imagine another like some of the swoop bikes maybe or the speeder bikes or the speeders mm-hmm. they kind of have a, a, a patina uh kind of beat up and weathered use look i would like to see what like one of padme's ships would look like in like Ooh. the sequel trilogy because it being all chromed out and stuff it's not going to look weathered the same way you know what i mean mm-hmm. it, like chrome doesn't weather the same way that just like a you know a there's like probably going to be like a bunch of dents in it. Well, a bunch like of dents. Like and you know how like, or... you know how like silver gets tarnished and it kind of gets that weird iridescent sort of color to it. You know what I mean? Like when you see tarnished silver, I could see that mm-hmm. being really yeah. cool on something like that. Yeah. And you didn't even really see it get coated in dust whenever it spent some time on tattooing. So that'd be unprecedented. Well, they, you know, those handmaidens had to do something while they were off adventuring in Mos Espa. They were <laughs> out there with Phasma's armor made out of, right? It is. It is. The, the same type of metal. I don't know that it's specifically from, you know, Padme's ship or anything, but it's the same type of metal. You're 100% right about that. Well, I think that's going to do it this week for us, guys. Evan, buddy, thanks so much for joining me and Will. I know... Uh, Man, I had a hard time wrestling with this Mandalorian stuff this week. It's just too excited. My brain's on fire. Um, before we go, though, give everybody where they can find you on social media. Uh, fill them in on your podcast with your buddy Keenan and Kate. And Kate, right? I got that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he calls her Kate. I call her Katie, so either one works. Okay. Um, and once again, let them know where we can get our hands on the Scout Beast. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. This was an awesome week to be here. Um, but yeah, so my Twitter is edechellis25, E-D-E-C-H-E-L-L-I-S 25. Um, the same name, but adding at gmail.com is where you can email me to order a copy of the Scout Beast. Like I had mentioned earlier, $5 for digital. Um, you could probably get it the same day that you um, send over the order. And then if you order a physical version for $15, it will be probably roughly two weeks from the order date that it'll show up. Um, I actually think Hawes is on track to show up this coming week early. So, um, Well, that's yeah, just because I got on that shit the day he, uh, he put it up on Twitter, and I was like, I'll take two. <laughs> yeah, you were the very first one, too, to buy one outside of me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and I also do a podcast called uh, Grayscale, um, and I do it with my friends Keenan and Katie. Uh, we record on Tuesdays, we post on Wednesdays. Um, it's essentially a show that's about any type of interesting news that comes our way uh, in pop culture, whether it be sports, uh, TV shows, movies, pretty much anything, video games especially. Uh, we cover a lot of that, so we have a good time. But um, you could find us on Twitter at, at Grayscale Pod. Yes, and it's so, a yeah, excellent it. listen. 
You guys should check it out. And I'll tell you how I know. This is a mark of a good podcast to me. I have conversations either out loud or in my head with you three as I'm listening. Oh, that is awesome. Oh, guys, you can't forget about this. Or, oh, that's a really good point. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Not just because I like Evan. I don't know Keenan. I don't know Kate. um, But I enjoy the show very much. So, make sure to check it out. Um, Also, get on Twitter and uh, harass Will so he'll interact a little more. Chris Fresh Mm -hmm. was showering Will with big dick compliments. And I had to text Will and let him know. (laughs) Will Witten nah. three on Twitter. When when someone makes those kind of, you, it's best just to say nothing. <laughs> just let the mystery of the giant Will hog yeah. lie. Yeah. <laughs> why why take away the mystery? If you guys like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Uh, make sure to leave us a five-star iTunes review if you haven't so far. Uh, for everybody that has, it is greatly appreciated. You know what? Go hit Grayscale with some reviews, too. Um, it really helps podcasters out. Honestly, it's one of the most important things you can do to support a podcast mm-hmm. is leave them an iTunes review. So uh, just know it's greatly appreciated, and it helps us a whole lot. Um So until next week, guys, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. I'm Evan Tachelis. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.